We would like to acknowledge the Terrible People, the traditional owners of the land on which we record Extra Virgin Podcast. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Extra Virgin, a podcast for gourmands who love to travel and travellers who love good food. I'm Natasha Mirosh. And I'm Sam Donsky. Between us, we've toured and tasted our way around more than 60 countries. Join us now as we meet the passionate people who make travelling the world so rewarding and so very delicious. Hi, Sam. Hey, Natasha. Sam, today we're virtual visiting a country that gave us actor Sam Neill, the band Crowded House, and Sauvignon Blanc. They can keep the last one, I reckon. Of course, I'm talking about beautiful New Zealand. It's pretty exciting for us that we can travel there again, isn't it? Yes, yay, the Trans-Tasman travel bubble is open. I am excited. Of course, there is always a gentle rivalry between the two countries, but New Zealand has always been a popular travel destination for Aussies. And by the way, I'll stand up for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc too. I reckon it has its place. Down the sink as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. So, extra virgin listeners, if you're planning a trip to New Zealand, in today's episode you'll get lots of insider tips about the places and experiences you need to put on your itinerary. And even if you're listening somewhere where you're not able to visit right now, I'm sure you'll want to make notes for when you can. Today we're talking with Stephanie Holmes. After growing up in England, Stephanie arrived in New Zealand as a backpacker in 2003 for a six-month holiday, and she never left. Today she's a travel editor of the New Zealand Herald and also has her own podcast, Trip Notes. Stephanie Holmes, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think are the essential stops on a New Zealand holiday. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm always happy to talk about New Zealand and, um, yeah, really happy that you guys can come over and visit us now. We're, we're really looking forward to seeing Australians back in our country. Oh, thank you. And welcome to Extra Virgin, Stephanie. You obviously love New Zealand. What is it about the country that's kept you there? Oh, there's so many things. And yeah, like you said, I, I only intended to stay six months. I was supposed to be traveling around the world and it never felt like the right time to leave. So my mum <laughs> would probably be very upset about that. But yeah, I've, I've ended up, you know, being here almost 18 years now and it kind of just felt like home as soon as I arrived. I mean, various reasons back in the UK, I think I was kind of looking for an adventure and looking to maybe change my life a little bit. And I got here and it was, it just, it just felt right being here. And I think maybe like the landscapes obviously are just so amazing and there's so much amazing scenery and, and just the lifestyle, you know, you can be at the beach or you can go to the mountains, you go for big walks, you know, it's quite an outdoorsy kind of lifestyle, but then you still have world-class cities, I think, with with amazing food and wine. Yeah, so it's definitely hard to leave. Well, even though it's a relatively small country, New Zealand is very diverse and it can be hard to decide where to go. Can you give us an overview of the regions from the north to the south, just to set the scene? Yeah, I mean, landscapes are quite diverse really but yeah I guess if you start in the north then there's amazing beaches and then as you get further down it gets more mountainous and volcanoes around like the central north island there's skiing and and big volcano like Tongariro National Park you can go for big hikes there and then as you get further down again wine regions in the north island and then the south island I guess that's I mean if you're really tight for time and I hate to say this because I live in the north island but if you're really tight for time on a visit I think just get 
straight down to the South Island because the scenery down there is just epic. It's just majestic mountains, you know, alpine landscapes, amazing native forests and incredible adrenaline activities that you can do, but also wineries in the, in the South Island as well. So yeah, it's a real, a real good mix and you can get a bit of everything in both islands. So Stephanie, as a travel editor, you obviously have a great wealth of knowledge and experience of your adopted country, and we are totally going to take advantage of that and dig deep into what makes New Zealand special and why everyone needs to visit. Let's start by talking about my favourite subject, food. (laughs) And mine mine too. (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand has an amazing food scene in general, but in terms of the best, which city do you rate, Wellington or Auckland? Oh, that's too hard. (laughs) That's really too hard. I mean, I live in Auckland, so I would dine out more regularly in Auckland, but I visit Wellington, you know, reasonably regularly and the food there is just incredible as well. But I think probably the difference between the two is in Wellington, it's a lot more compact. It's a lot smaller. So most things are in walking distance of each other, which makes it a bit easier. Whereas in Auckland, you need to travel a bit more like we've got great restaurants in the central city but we're probably seeing more neighborhood restaurants and bars popping up so you know you kind of get out into the suburbs a little bit but you can still find really great dining and you also you can't discount our other bigger cities as well so there's you know Christchurch and Dunedin and New Plymouth which all have their own really amazing dining scene so can you tell I'm just sitting on the (laughs) (laughs) well I've been to both cities and I kind of liked Wellington ever so slightly better and for the reason that you said I think when you're a tourist in a city being able to walk around particularly when you want to go out to dinner I love that so for me it was Wellington by a nose but (laughs) having said that I probably haven't explored very much of either. I don't think you'd be disappointed in either you know if you if you only visited one you would find some excellent food to eat so yeah it's just kind of more about what your other plans are around a trip I think. Well I'm going to give you a really tough question and ask you to (laughs) to give us a few recommendations and I'm sure that will be hard to to narrow it down but if you could name a a couple for each city and maybe a couple in those other towns that you mentioned as well that would be fabulous. Yeah sure so in Auckland we've actually over the last year which it It's going to seem like a weird statement, but over the last year, there have been some amazing new restaurants opening, which you kind of wouldn't expect in, you know, the midst of a pandemic. But we've had some really top class restaurants open over the last year. One of my favorites is called Ada, and it's a hotel restaurant, which again, you know, Mm. you don't always associate a hotel and a restaurant being somewhere that you would go when you're not staying at the hotel. But Ada is, is, it's so good. It's an old convent called the Convent Hotel. They refurbished it and made it it's so beautiful inside, so it's worth going, even if you're not staying, just to kind of look at the building. But then Ada, it's really it's a lot of like pasta, it's kind of a European influenced menu. Everything's really fresh and like the pasta's homemade and beautiful and there's a really cool wine list and yeah, just just the building there is really cool. And one that gets missed off the best restaurants list quite often, which I think is unfair. There's a place called Fish at the Hilton Hotel. And that's down at the viaduct, which is, you know, on the water, right in the central city. And it's right at the end of 
the the wharf, I guess you'd say. The hotel sits right at the end. So you're basically just looking out onto the onto the Gulf, out to Rangitoto, which is one of our iconic volcanoes here. And just these kind of panoramic views of the harbour. So that's really beautiful. You don't have to spend a lot. That's the other great thing about Auckland is, you know, we've got a lot of really affordable restaurants from uh, a diverse ethnic community. So a lot of Chinese and Thai and Japanese, you know, anything you want, really, you can you can find it in Auckland. And so there's kind of little pockets of the city where you'll we'll find those. So Dominion Road in Auckland is a really is a really good one for that. And then in Wellington, so I went there last year in June for a weekend and was just kind of just blown away by (laughs) everything that I experienced there. But there was one place called Daisy's, which is kind of like a little neighborhood bistro. And it just had a really nice vibe. And I was actually there by myself on a Saturday night, you know, dining by yourself can always (laughs) be a little bit weird, but I just felt really comfortable and there was just a really nice atmosphere in there and the food was, was great. Can we talk about bars as well? Yeah, of course. We like talking about (laughs) bars. We do. Oh, good, good, good. So in Wellington, I think I found probably my favorite bar in New Zealand, and it's called Night Flower. And it's one of these little hidden bars. So it's you kind of up a staircase, and the staircase is, it just looks a bit industrial and like maybe you shouldn't be going there. (laughs) You know, it's a bit, bit. Looks a bit dodgy. And then there's a door, unmarked door. It's just got this kind of lion head brass knocker and you open this door and then suddenly you're in like prohibition era New York. It's just this really, really cool cocktail bar. The lights are really dim. It would be a great place to go like on a first date because the light, lighting's really dim, but there's a lot of atmosphere. <laughs> well, we always like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't have a cocktail list. So they'll just kind of ask you what, what kind of flavors you like or what your normal favorite, favorite cocktail is. And then they'll create something that's a little bit of a twist on that. So like Negroni is my favorite cocktail, but they came up with, you know, this elevated version of a Negroni and it was, it was really, really good. And if you want something that kind of gives you a real New Zealand experience, I guess, at the Beehive, which is Parliament building, there's a restaurant on the, I think it's the third floor of the Beehive and it's called Bellamy's by Logan Brown and it's kind of fine dining, but you're, you're sitting in our, you know, in our Parliament building. And if you go for lunch, which I did, you can look down at politicians coming and going, see like TV crews setting up. So yeah, I I could go on and on, but. We've probably got other things to talk about. <laughs> well, actually, I want to talk a little bit more about restaurants. And in particular, Chef Monique Fiso is highlighting Maori cuisine in her restaurant, Hirkai. Have you been there? Yes, so I have been to Hirkai. I missed that off my Wellington recommendations, which is very remiss of me. Yeah, so I went there last year. I was very lucky and got a, a cancellation, I think, because you have to book months in advance to get there. So that is definitely a tip. If you're coming mm. over, make sure you get your reservation in for Hirkai because it is incredible. It's fine dining, but it's, it's, I'd, I'd, I'd suggest that it's like nothing you've ever had before because Monique is, she's a genius, I think. And she uses, like her focus is really on indigenous plants and herbs and just ingredients that are really native to New Zealand. And she creates a new menu every three months, I think it is. Everyone gets the same menu. So it's a set menu. And it, when I went, the menu was based around Matariki, which is the Māori New Year. And it's kind of to do with 
with the star constellation that can only be seen at this time of year. And so each course was dedicated to one of the stars who represent seven sisters in the sky. And so it was a really special experience and it really brings in um, a lot of the Maori culture. But yeah, she is she is just a perfectionist and I sat at one they have four seats that are kind of in the kitchen so you're just at a bench um, seat and then the chefs are right there in front of you plating up and you can watch and Monique came down and she was working there as well and just watching her at work it was (laughs) so impressive she is uh, you can see like the precision that she puts into every single dish and every plate it was yeah really really impressive and yeah the food was wonderful and another good thing about there is so they do it's like a degustation menu and they do you can either do an alcohol drink pairing or a non-alcoholic drink pairing and the thing that really impressed me was the care and attention that had gone into the non-alcoholic drink pairing it seemed as much as the alcoholic one you know and a lot of places you go if you're not drinking alcohol it's so boring and all you're getting is like a lime and soda or something mm, but she worse had, worse a, a coke or an orange juice <laughs> you, you don't just want a coke or an orange juice and you want something a bit different and yeah she put so much thought into those drinks and mm. to actually match the flavors of the drinks with the food or complement them that you know it was just it was really really special and and something you don't see everywhere Mm. That sounds like one for me. <laughs> I'd I'd love to try that. that sounds um, amazing. Yeah, in fact, yeah, I think yeah. I might book my New Zealand trip around, around when, when I can get in there. <laughs> good that's, thinking. A, that's a really good idea, honestly, because it's <laughs> it is completely the hot ticket in town. And as borders begin to open again, it's only going to get harder to okay. get in. Okay, as so soon as we're finished here, I'm going <laughs> to the website and booking. <laughs> now, just still on the subject of Maori culture. I don't know much about it myself. So if I'm coming, are there some places or experiences that would help me to to learn more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Waitangi is a good place to start. So that's in the Bay of Islands and it's where the Treaty of Waitangi was signed. So that's kind of like the founding document of New Zealand, well, you know, between Māori and Europeans. So and there's a lot of controversy around the the document itself you know but it's the place where you can where you can learn um, more about that and that kind of history of New Zealand and in in Wellington at the National Library there's a really cool exhibition it's a permanent exhibition and it's called Head Tohu and it's it's about the three founding documents that helped shape New Zealand. So not only the Treaty of Waitangi, but also He Whakaputanga, which is the Declaration of Independence, which came before the treaty. And then after that, there's the Women's Suffrage Petition, which is where women got the right to vote in the late 1890s. So that's a really great exhibition to see. I only saw it last year and I learned so much that I didn't already know. In Auckland, there's at the Auckland Art Gallery, at the moment, there's an exhibition called Toy to Toy Ora, and that's showcasing contemporary Māori art. I haven't been to that yet, but everybody I know who's seen it says it's incredible. So I need to get there myself. And I, yeah, I guess the important thing for visitors is to probably is to seek out Māori-owned and operated tourism businesses. So you can see the country and learn about the country from a Māori perspective because obviously like I'm a visitor here, but not only because I came from England to live here, but you know, Europeans in New Zealand, we're all manahiri, we're visitors. 
And yeah, so I think it's really important to get, you know, the pre-colonial perspective on the country and you can do that through, um, there's a lot of Maori owned and operated tourism businesses. There's a website called Maori Tourism where you can connect with some of those businesses and see what they are because yeah, Maori culture is New Zealand culture, you know, they're not separate from each other. So Maori are the indigenous people of New Zealand and so the culture is just part of everyday life and there's definitely a real resurgence in people wanting to learn the language and, you know, understand more about the culture and you know and the history that came before Europeans so yeah there's there's a lot a lot to learn and mm. I'm certainly still learning myself I certainly have a long way to go as well oh, it sounds fascinating so Stephanie what about for nature lovers there's some truly spectacular scenery in New Zealand where should I go if I want to commune with nature or maybe see some wildlife we're so blessed with nature and wildlife in New Zealand. Like even like I live in Auckland, which is our biggest city, but even in Auckland there's, you know, I can I can just walk down the road from my office and I'm by the water, you know, the the Horeki Gulf is right there. So you can go out on a boat into the Gulf and we, we you know, we've got lots of little islands around the Gulf that you can go and visit. And that, yeah, that's just in our in our main city and if you, you know, go down to the South Island, got beautiful national parks. At the moment there's 10 great walks that you can do and they're kind of multi-day or most are multi-day walks there's a few that are just one day and they're the best scenery that you would see around New Zealand I guess some of my favorites would probably be there's the Rootburn track which is in Fiordland so you would you'd probably fly into Queenstown and you'd stay there a couple of nights and then you, you'd get a transfer to start this walk which is it's a couple of a couple of a few hours drive from Queenstown before you start but it's like a three-day walk and you get up uh, it's not an easy walk I'm gonna say that you know there's quite a uh, few hills to get up but once you get up there the scenery is just stunning you can see down into the Hollyford Valley um, and out to the ocean of the west coast so it's it's beautiful and another one I did at the end of last year was the Hollyford track which again is a three-day walk but the landscape is, is quite diverse in the Hollyford tracks. You start kind of in the middle of native forest along a river, just absolutely beautiful forest that you cross through. And then you get to a lake and you do a jet boat ride along the lake. And then you end up out at the coast, the West Coast, so you're on kind of black sand beaches. It's really, really beautiful. And you'll see some, I think probably the best wildlife we have here are our native birds. You know, we, do, we don't have anywhere near like you guys have with all the different variety of things that can kill you. But <laughs> um, we've got, yeah, beautiful native bird life. And so you'll see some of that in these South Island National Parks. But with the Hollyford, you might also see some dolphins in you know in the lake and at the ocean and seals and penguins maybe even so yeah that's really special stephanie i presume that you can stay at cabins or huts along the way or is yes yeah 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 so you can either do it yourself and and stay in department of conservation huts which are it's a government department that looks after most of our national parks and they're fine they're great but you can also do a kind of luxury version where you still have to do the walk so you know there's still <laughs> some effort effort involved but you're just carrying like a day pack yeah and then when you get to a lodge then people will cook your meals for you there's wine so you know you can buy wine at the end of a 17 kilometer days walking and yeah so there are different ways to do it yeah but yeah you definitely would stay overnight 
some of them you can camp. So if you want to take your tent with you, you can do that. But I kind of prefer everyone carrying everything else for me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Yes. (laughs) Well, back to New Zealand's bird life and your Mm. most famous bird, the kiwi. I saw a lot of signs when I was there, but no actual kiwis. Where can I go to see the famous flightless kiwi? Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but I have lived here 18 years and I have never <laughs> seen one in the wild. So <laughs> they're not they're not everywhere. And even if you are somewhere where they are, you're not necessarily going to see them. They're nocturnal. They're very shy. They're not going to just kind of stumble out of the bush at you, but they're there's Stewart Island right at the bottom of New Zealand and it's you kind of you can fly or get a ferry from the mainland over there and they have a species of kiwi called the Stewart Island brown kiwi and apparently that's that's kind of your your chances there are better of seeing them because they they come out during the day and at night and there's there's quite a significant population of kiwi down there so maybe head down there but you know we've also got a lot of sanctuaries and kind of really good wildlife centers where you can see a kiwi so it might not you know be strictly in the wild but you might get to get to see them there so next best thing i say yeah Mm. okay then now i really i hesitate to call myself a skier but i do like to have a go and i have actually skied at cadrona which was fantastic and stayed at uh, nearby lake wanaka which is incredibly beautiful but what are your recommendations for skiing in new zealand well i'm not a skier at all first arrived in new zealand i tried snowboarding and i was terrible at it and i've never <laughs> never been back so um, but from other people's recommendations it, it, there's some great skiing and snowboarding in new zealand so yeah cadrona is one that's very highly recommended and in the north island there's Mount Ruapehu where there's a couple of ski fields there and that's that's probably one that people in Auckland would go there you know it's a few hours drive down there but they might go down for a weekend to do some skiing there Mm. yeah and there's more in the South Island so if you base yourself in Christchurch there's quite a few ski fields around there that you can get to really easily in Queenstown there's some good options Wanaka yeah and if you're not into the snow like me they're still worth going to those places in winter because the scenery is really beautiful and also you know you can just do nice things like apres ski (laughs) apres ski yeah drink (laughs) wine in in one of the lovely um, hotels or lodges Mm. stephanie new zealand actually seems like the perfect place to do a wellness reset tell us about your experiences and maybe if you have a few recommendations yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I got into it, but I seem to have become a bit of a wellness <laughs> correspondent. <laughs> Not a bad thing to be. <laughs> our, our travel magazine, yeah. So I have been to a couple um, of retreats in New Zealand. One was called Aroha, and it's quite a famous one, and it's in Glenorchy, which is just about an hour's drive from Queenstown. Most beautiful scenery around the landscapes are just stunning and it but it was it was quite a hard (laughs) wellness retreat it's kind of a detox as well so there's no caffeine you're all vegan food no sugar no alcohol did I mention that so that was that was quite quite a test (laughs) but it but it was incredible the days are quite full so you're kind of early doing yoga and then you're doing hikes out in the mountains and they're kind of quite tough hikes you know like up big hills and quite taxing and other exercise classes in the evening in the afternoon as well more of the kind of mindfulness learning about that as well and I yeah so I did a six 
six-day trip at Aroha and it, yeah, kind of changed my life. I haven't actually drunk caffeine, anything caffeinated since then, and that was about five years ago now. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I, it really changed my life for the better. I, think. I mean, I still drink wine, so I'm not. Def- I'm definitely not completely virtuous. <laughs> But yeah, so that that place is really amazing. It's quite a, it's quite an expensive one. It's quite a high end one. So you know, not everybody is going to be able to to get there. But you know, if you if you can, it's really really worth a visit. And then one I did recently, it was a shorter one. It was a weekend at Camp Glenorchy, which is also in Glenorchy, which is just down the road from Araha. And that was a women's wellness weekend, which was really really amazing. I went in a bit skeptical. It, it was a little bit woo-woo <laughs> for me. Uh, did they use the word goddess at any time? Yeah, I think there might have been some goddessing. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I definitely went in sceptical, but I really I really got a lot out of it. And, and yeah, it, the two women that were taking the weekend, Emma and Sasha, they were incredible. And the group of women around us, I don't know, it was, you know, it was to be in this group of women I think there were maybe 14 of us from all different backgrounds and all different ages as well I think the youngest person was early 20s and the oldest was late 70s so to have that really big mix of ages and backgrounds was a really great experience as well so yeah I feel like I learned a lot and there are things you know you can do things you might not agree with everything there might be bits in it that are too woo-woo for you but you can take little bits from each experience you do but yeah, there's there's lots of different experiences like that in New Zealand. And was that a more affordable option? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it's it's a shorter one, so mm. it's the price is is cheap is lower, but mm. yeah, it would be a bit more affordable for people. But there are other things you can do as well. Like, I mean, just going out for a, a big hike in nature that's a wellness experience as well, or learning to surf, or you know, yoga retreats. There's there's a lot of options here, and you I think there's you can find the one for you. You don't have to be talking about being a goddess or, um, <laughs> or, or giving up caffeine. Like there are other other experiences that can still give you some a, a dose of wellness. I do want to ask you a bit more about some of the luxe experiences you can have in New Zealand. I know I've looked at some and thought, mm, I hope one day I can get to those expensive places. <laughs> but in your job, I imagine you've been to some of these. Can you tell us about some of your most memorable stays? Yeah, I you know I, it's, I I feel bad talking about it. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. We much, can all dream. But, uh, yeah, no, I have. I've been very lucky to enjoy some amazing luxury experiences in New Zealand. That's one thing the country does really well, and that is you know luxury lodges. We've got so many around the country, and they, I haven't been to all of them. I haven't been to nearly enough. <laughs> but yeah, the few that I have been to have been great so one's called Cape Kidnappers which is in Hawke's Bay and it's beautiful it's this it's a lodge that's like high up on a cliff looking out to the ocean the food was incredible and just the way you get looked after is is amazing you know there's whatever you could wish for someone will will help you with that and they've got they've got two other sister properties, and I've been to one of the others, which is called Cory Cliffs, and that's um, in Northland. And again, the views are just beautiful there, and there's a very similar level of service. So you know, people looking after your every <laughs> desire, and amazing food and wine, and just yeah, they're really nice way to 
just be pampered. They've got spas on site so you can get a massage or a facial or anything like that. And we've also had over the last year a lot of hotels opening up. They were all planned ahead of the America's Cup, which we had here earlier this year, which, you know, unfortunately didn't go quite how people were anticipating. You know, we were expecting to be overrun with international visitors coming here for the America's Cup. So a lot of these hotels opened and they haven't, you know, been seeing the guest numbers that they'd hoped for. So there's the Park Hyatt, which is right down at the harbour. And it's a really, really beautiful hotel. And, you know, you might think, oh, it's Park Hyatt. It's just going to be kind of the cookie cutter corporate hotel but they've really incorporated a lot of Maori design elements and made it quite unique to New Zealand so you don't necessarily just feel like you you could be anywhere and once I stayed in town at the Sofitel which again is you know that it's an international brand but they've got this penthouse on the top of the hotel (laughs) and it's it's at the time I was living in an apartment and this penthouse was probably about four times the size of my home. And yeah, it was just the it's massive balcony where you can like stand out and look at across Queenstown and out to the lake and the mountains. It had its own hot tub on the balcony. So you could just sit there with a glass of wine. Oh my- <laughs> yeah, that was, so that was really cool. But there, there are still many that I haven't been to that I really want to. So there, there's a few places down in the South Island that I would love to get to. Um, one's called Minaret Station, which looks really beautiful. Yeah, there, there's loads. There's loads. I went to a place called Farikoho, I think it was called. Oh, okay, yeah. I haven't been there, but I've heard that's amazing. Did you did you have a great time? I did. I had a wonderful time. It was a very short break. It was a famil and it was quite yeah. a quite a long time ago. So I'd love to go back though. It was it was yeah. amazing. So we've talked about some really beautiful luxury experiences there. Is there something you could share with us that's maybe a bit off the tourist track or a bit unusual? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot off the tourist track. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful beaches that, you know, are not undiscovered because obviously people go there, but you know, there you you can find a lot of beaches with nobody around and, you know, get a beautiful remote experience. Stewart Island that I mentioned before, I think that's definitely off the beaten track. Like it's quite, you know, it's quite an effort to get there. I haven't been there myself, but it's got beautiful walks and wildlife and it's yeah quite rugged and remote so that's one place to go so there's great barrier island which is you can get a, a ferry from Auckland there or you can fly and again that's it's it's quite off off the grid kind of experience and it's a dark sky reserve so you can go there and do um, some stargazing which um, is apparently incredible mm-hmm. and that, yeah there's some other dark sky reserves around the country as well so Lake Tekapur and Mount Cook so stargazing I think is going to be one of the things that would really attract people here I think Wairarapa is another region that's waiting to get its dark sky reserve status so yeah there, there are probably a few things that I could suggest. I went to a place recently, it was a glamping place called Te Awa Glamping, and Te Awa means the river, and it's on the banks of the Whanganui River, um, and it's in Tomoronui, which is kind of central North Island, and it's incredible. You're in the middle of nowhere. Like It was um, my boyfriend and I, and we turned up at this couple's farmhouse, and then they we followed them down the road and across their land, and then you turn around this corner, and there's this 
beautiful it's like a south african style safari tent and you're so there's nobody else around like you could just be there and scream at the top of your lungs and no one would probably hear you <laughs> but it's a it's beautiful and you're right by the river the stars there at night were amazing so yeah that's kind of off the beaten track and and one I would I've experienced and I would definitely recommend Okay, Stephanie, one of my hobbies is wine. And I have actually oh, been me too. to <laughs> Cheers. I've actually been to Martinborough. I came over for the Martinborough Taste Martinborough one year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which was such a fun festival. So good. What are some of the other wine regions in New Zealand and can you give us a few can't miss wineries? Yeah, I mean we are really spoiled for choice here. For you know, such a small country there are so many different regions to go um, for wine so central Otago is probably for red wine drinkers so that's around the Queenstown region you get amazing Pinot Noir down there some of the wineries to check out there Armisfield is a really famous one they've got a great restaurant on site as well but really, I mean, I, I feel like you can't really go wrong with wineries in central Otago. So probably the best thing to do is to get day or a half day tour from Queenstown where someone will pick you up and, and take you around all the wineries. So you don't have to worry about driving and you can experience a few different ones. Or you can do it by e-bike, actually. There's a great bike trail from uh, Queenstown out to the Gibston Valley where a lot of the wineries are. Hawke's Bay is really good as well. So that's North Island and, yeah, There'd be red wine there and white wine, anything you want, really. But, yeah, that's really beautiful. Some of the notable wineries there would be there's Mission Mission Estate, Church Road. But, yeah, again, I think it's best just to do a tour because there's so many and you get something different at each of them, you know, in terms of the experience and the food that you can get. Waiheke Island as well is one I don't think I've mentioned that yet, which um, is strange because it's one of my favorite places so from Auckland central Auckland you get a ferry takes about half an hour just over half an hour and then you're on this um, island and you know it's people live there it's there's a big population there and it's so many wineries over there so that's definitely a good place to come so you know if you're only on a short visit and you're just in Auckland they're a bit more of the boutique kind of wineries over on Waiheke but again a lot of them have really great restaurants on site so one to check out there oh there's a few there's Mudbrick and Cable Bay and they're both they've both got amazing views back to the city so you're kind of sitting on this island drinking a wine you feel a bit like Tuscany <laughs> but you can see back to the sky tower and you know the the skyscrapers of downtown and another one on Waiheke is Stony Ridge their wine is beautiful and Timotu that's a really good one as well. Mm. The views are a big part of wineries, aren't they? They're such spectacular locations. Well, I think it just really adds to the experience, doesn't it? You know, there's nothing better in my mind than sitting down with a beautiful glass of wine, looking out at a beautiful view with, I don't know, a cheese platter, say, and just, you know, just thinking how lucky we are. <laughs> just yeah. What wonderful experiences we can have. And Stephanie, where do you stand on Sauvignon Blanc? Oh, I'm not a fan either. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm not really a white wine drinker very much. And Me if I either. was, I would probably choose uh, Chardonnay, which I know can be a bit of a <laughs> controversial No, choice, that's exactly but, um, what I would choose if I was in New Zealand and yeah, had to drink wine. I think yeah, we might be think, wine twins. Mm, 
or just yeah, stick with, yeah, or just stick with the Pinot Noir. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> my my trip to New Zealand is getting longer and longer the more we talk, so <laughs> I'll probably have time to fit in a bit of a wine uh, wine tasting with you, Stephanie. Okay, Stephanie, get ready. We're going to throw some quick fire questions at you to finish up and test how well you've become assimilated and whether you are a real New Zealander. So first question, and it's an easy one. We're starting gently with you. What is a batch? So a batch is, it's like a holiday home, but they've got more and more fancy over the years. So a batch used to be just a small little kind of shack by the beach. And now they're like these multi-million dollar palaces that are by the beach. But yeah, it's it's a holiday home basically. Now I, I won't even attempt it myself, but can you pronounce the 28 character long Maori name of a hill in Hawke's Bay? Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> that is a tough one. But okay. I'm going to try Matangi Hunga Koawa or Tamati Fenua Kitana Tahu. I'm sorry if I, I don't know if that's right or not. <laughs> that well, we don't know, <laughs> so no. we'll just assume it is. Yeah, it was a, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> now, in Australia and most places, I think a dairy is where cows are milked. But what does it refer to in New Zealand? Well, yeah, and I grew up in England, so I agree with you, but. In New Zealand, dairy is like your local shop, like your corner store where, you know, like not a supermarket, but where you'll go to, I don't know, get a pint of milk when you're when you're running low or, you know, the little supplies that you need or an ice cream or, you know, lollies. That's yeah, that's what a dairy is. What are jandals and do you own a pair? <laughs> so I would call them flip flops. I think you guys call them thongs, do you? Um, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're thongs. And yes, I own several pairs. <laughs> okay. What about, I love this expression. I've only ever heard it in New Zealand. What is tramping and have you ever indulged in it? <laughs> tramping is, well, it's walking, I guess, or hiking. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's getting out into the nature and going for a long walk. That's tramping. And yeah, I indulge in it regularly. I love tramping. Oh, good. Now, can you hum the first few bars of the New Zealand National Anthem? <laughs> Well, I probably could, but I don't know if you want to hear it because I'm not a very good singer. But Oh, we definitely want to hear it now. <laughs> I think you might um, be stretching, well, the, stretching the friendship. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try and do the... Um, oh, you can sing it if you first, prefer. Oh, yeah, okay. So because our national anthem, we have Māori and English as well, So, but it starts with the Māori version. So, God, I can't believe I'm going to sing on a podcast, but... <laughs> That's the first line. There you go. That's beautiful. All that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> it is a beautiful anthem. Okay. Yeah. We touched on this before, but what's New Zealand's claim to fame when it comes to women's rights? New Zealand was the first country to give women the right to vote. I believe, Stephanie, that New Zealand is also home to the world's steepest street. Where is it and what's it called? Yeah, that's in Dunedin, which is in the South Island, it is Baldwin Street. Excellent. <laughs> we'll have to get a photo of that. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Stephanie. I think you passed. And listeners, if you'd like to follow Stephanie's travels, you can go to extravirginfoodandtravel.com for links to her travel stories and to her podcast, Trip Notes. Thanks so much for being a guest on our Extra Virgin podcast, Stephanie. You've been so inspiring. Yes, thanks, Stephanie. I'm feeling, well, even more inspired to get on to booking my New Zealand holiday now, and I'm sure our listeners will be too. Oh, no problem. It's been great to talk to you, and 
yeah, hope to see you all over here soon. We hope so too. Absolutely. <laughs> well, listeners, that is it for this episode of Extra Virgin. Thanks for joining us from wherever you are in the world. Until next time, bon voyage and bon appétit. You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. You can get more great food and travel inspiration, including stories, recipes, reviews, and more at our website, extravirginfoodandtravel.com. You can also follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email us at extravirginfoodandtravel at gmail.com. And if you like what we do, you can support us by buying us a virtual coffee at our website. If you haven't already, go to Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please give us a like. <laughs>